we got the alternative energy free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network hello and welcome i'm ka this week's rad show has been recorded on the unceded lands of the Wadjuk Noongar, or better known as Perth, and I pay my respects to the elders, both past and present. On this week's show, I'm going west to give listeners an update of what is happening with the Mulga Rock proposed uranium mine project and an update from the landmark Supreme Court hearing that's happened just in this last week. We will hear from dual native title holder Vicky Abdullah, who is one of the applicants on the Supreme Court action, and the Director of Conservation Council of WA, Piers Verstegen, and the amazing nuclear-free campaigner with ACF, Dave Sweeney, who was recently on Wadjuk Noongar land. Let's now hear from Dave Sweeney recently talking on a panel with the Department of Mines and Petroleum and the Twiggy Forest-backed company Vimy Resources and why uranium is not an OK product to take a punt on. I'm very aware that... Um, that from a national environment group perspective, one of our key allies and fellow travellers and, and providers of um, a lot of guidance and heart have been Aboriginal people in WA who have locked up this industry for two terms of the Barnett government and, as far as I can tell, have no intention of letting it unlock under a McGowan government. So what I want to do briefly tonight is uh, look at what I reckon are three of the assumptions that Vimy Resources have with this project. And I think all of the three assumptions are fundamentally false. One is that the uranium sector has social licence. Vimy seeks to be a reliable, perhaps more importantly, a respected uranium producer. I question that. We'll come back to it. A second is that nuclear energy is clean. Vimy proudly tag so many of their things as mining a cleaner tomorrow. And Julian throws down a values challenge with is nuclear power part of the global energy mix or not? A real and alive debate, but our view of that, having looked at it and been forced to look at it by our national membership, is that it's not. And the third one is that nuclear energy's role in the global energy mix will grow, and as a result, uranium mine prices, or rather uranium commodity prices, will increase and mines will become more viable. Now, I don't think any of those three, well, I know none of those three is without contest, but I don't think any of those three stand up to real scrutiny. Uranium mining doesn't enjoy social licence. And uh, I know that Graham said that uranium, from a regulatory perspective, is not unique is not treated differently. But the U in front of uranium is not just unsafe, unnecessary, unpopular, unprofitable. It is also unique. It is also unique. There are unique properties and risks. This project, all the projects in WA, all uranium mining projects across Australia have been and remain actively contested. WA's uranium sector was actively contested under eight years and hard years of a Barnett government. Two terms and not one mine. Although facilitating uranium mining was one of the key objects on the election of the Barnett government in 2008. WA Labor continued to allow projects that were in the assessment train to continue in that. Now our view is very clear. 
This does not equate to projects that are in the assessment train inevitably or assuredly being approved. This long history of contest across Australia has seen employment production, sales, share value decline. In short, we rip and ship far less of this stuff than we used to 15 years ago. And the curve is just downward. And contest from environmentalists, environmental groups, traditional owners, wider civil society groups has seen the industry significantly constrained. Jabaluka on extended care and maintenance. We were told, save the date, this is when it's going to be opened. Mirar People's Opposition stopped at. Kungara, Geoffrey Lee turned his back on personal wealth, senior jock owner. That country is in Kakadu National Park and will never be mined. Projects through the Territory at Angela Pamela, through South Australia, at Marathon, in Queensland, at Ben Lomond, at Westmoreland, all stalled, halted, delayed or on extended care and maintenance. So I suppose one clear message that I'd like to convey to everyone, and particularly to children, is that Vimy's project will be contested. The second claim that I'd like to just have a look at, which is a real driver of people of goodwill in the uranium and nuclear industry, is that nuclear energy is clean. Once upon a time, there was the hope of a bright, shiny future. But I think experience has shown that while nuclear energy is without doubt lower carbon than fossil fuel, no question there, it's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily equate or equate at all to lower risk, lower threat or lower problem. Nuclear often presents itself as a, as a bridge, an interim. We'll get rid of uh, fossil fuels, will be the heavy lifter for baseload energy and it'll be the bridge to a future. But it's not a bridge, it's not a stopgap. It is at best, at very best, a dangerous distraction. It generates a waste that is long-lived, carcinogenic, radioactive, needs to be isolated for a period of not less than 100,000 years. Now, you think of that, you get three years of electricity generation from a uranium fuel rod, from an enriched uranium fuel rod, three years in the reactor. And then you have to isolate the resultant product from people and planet for 100 thousand years. So there is something deep about this material. So on a good day this industry creates high level radioactive waste. On a bad day it creates Fukushima. That's more than just a tagline. We know, proven by the Australian Safeguards Nuclear Non-Proliferation Office, as know, the, the watchdog, that Australian obligated uranium, Australian uranium was not just sold to TEPCO, the corner cutting Tokyo Electric Power Corporation, but was in the Fukushima reactor when it melted down. So when you hear Fukushima fallout, it started in a big yellow truck in northern South Australia and in Kakadu. Radioactive rocks are now Fukushima fallout from here. And in September 2011, the UN Secretary-General Ban Ki-moon said, we need a cost-benefit analysis of countries that mine fissile material uranium to do a cost-benefit analysis of this sector. Now, how modest is that? We fuel a global crisis, the UN asks for us to have a look at it and the Australian government's position, to their shame, the Australian uranium industry's position, to its shame, has been absolutely do nothing. Absolutely do nothing. BHP announced that Fukushima changed everything and it pulled back from a $25 billion costed, approved, planned and promised 
expansion of the Olympic Dam line. Fukushima changed everything, but it hasn't changed the institutional political support or the operating practices of the Australian uranium sector. Um, Vimy in November 2015 stated, we are well positioned, in a, in a statement to the stock exchange, we are well positioned to ride the wave of demand for uranium as the world turns towards cleaner energy sources. Well, the world is turning towards cleaner energy sources. That's the good news. The bad news for Vimy is it's not counting uranium amongst them. Just recently, the uh, UNEP, the United Nations Environment Program, refused and rejected, gave back funding from the World Nuclear Association, which was provided to support a program called the Sustainable Innovation Forum, which is part of the current COP23 climate negotiations in Bonn. And by the way, a big shout-out to Marcus Atkinson for waving the flag for a nuclear-free future at that important forum. But the UNEP said, no, we're not taking this, and handed it back, much to outrage from industry, because it said, we encourage the renewable revolution. Nuclear power's future is on a downward trend. The global trend is a movement. It really is a movement from radioactive to renewable. At the start of this century, nuclear power was 22% of global electricity. Now it's 11 At the start of this century, renewables were 12% of global electricity. Now it's more than double that. And that's how it's trending. It has reversed and it's trending. So that has profound implications for the Australian uranium sector because they assume the industry is going to grow. They look at China where there is growth. They look at India, India where there's been promised growth forever which hasn't materialised. They don't look at or factor in anywhere near as much as they should ageing plant that must be retired, that is reaching the end of its use-by. Its use-by used to not matter you would cut an in-house deal for a safety extension. It matters now, particularly in Western nations after Fukushima. Regulatory pressures and expectation, community pressure and social licence is much harder now. You don't just get it rolled over for another five years. There will be reactors, increasingly, that come offline. And so the assumption that the uranium price will improve... Look, I'm a, I'm a great believer in enthusiasm and in optimism. I have been accused and happily wear the badge of having that myself. But I do also admit that they are not always compatible with evidence, good policy or good decision-making. In March 2017, just before the election, the state election, Mike Young from Vimy, my view is the market has bottomed. Now we will start to recover. Okay? Before a highly politicised election a proponent pushing a project. In September of this year, at the World Nuclear Association meeting, Cameco, who have Uliri and Kintyre, stated that market conditions could not support the operating and capital costs needed to sustain production. At the same forum, Mark Chambers, American based from Energy Fuels in the States, but ex-Australian Uranium Association and knows this industry, worked here. At today's spot prices, the primary uranium mining industry is not sustainable. Now, domestic operations are on hold. They're behind schedule. Rio Tinto, 
and Energy Resources of Australia are not advancing the Ranger Three Deeps underground program. Cameco has had a total windback of its book value of the Kintyre site, over $200 million from over 200 mil to nil for its book value. So if you look at that and if you look at the fact that in 2016, <coughs> Paladin Energy, who was once a darling in the market, Perth-based Paladin, bullish, aggressive, on riding the bull of a new nuclear renaissance and a powered future, now they're in administration. They are in administration. Their new CEO, Alexander Molyneux, has said it has never been a worse time for uranium miners and they have a leaking legacy mine in Malawi on the other side of the Indian Ocean. So people in the game are exiting, diversifying, looking for the parachute. Vimy, you're not poised for a wave. You are King Canoe against the run of the tide. It's going a very, very different way. Money is flowing this way. The trend is going that way. And you want to start a uranium mine. It's a little bit like taking up smoking when you're 30. You got over the dangerous teenage years. What are you doing this for, Julian? Come on. Just buy a Harley. Um, it is a little bit like that. But, you know, if you wanted to do that and you went outside, that's your own sort of choice. You know, you could whinge about what it means later on and hospital costs, but it's your own choice. And there's the Australian tradition of having a punt. And if you reckon that you can have a punt running against the tide because the odds are better, we might be poised if it does bounce come in. That's a great Australian tradition. I haven't got a great problem with that. But I have when it's a punt with uranium. I have when it's a punt with uranium. I've just come from Melbourne. And Melbourne, in Melbourne Cup Week, is an interesting town. And Flemington, in Melbourne Cup Week, is a field of broken dreams. But if and when Vimy falters, if and when Vimy, who doesn't have even the pockets that Paladin who are now being hung out for administration, falters. It's more than torn tickets on the track. Far more than torn tickets on the track. It's failed rehab, increased contamination pathways, it's tailings moving in wind. It's a problem. It's a problem. So this is not an OK product to take a punt with. That is why we will be expecting and demanding the highest levels of regulation from regulators. It is why we'll be expecting and demanding the highest level of attention from political decision makers. It's why we will be doing what we can to stop you doing what you want to the uranium companies. So Vimy will be actively contested and this is an issue of national importance because it's a key part of what needs to happen. The shift from dirty industry, be it Adani's coal be it Vimy's uranium, be we using it here or putting it on boats to use it somewhere else, we in this country need to move from being a user and a provider of dirty energy to being a world leader in renewables. You set and real vision set clash here, and let's keep it respectful, but let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. I'd just like to finish with a quote from Vimy's uh, ASX statement about its pre-feasibility study. And I think when you're talking about punting, it's always good to read the fine print. And the fine print on the back of this, and it's not, it's good that it's there, and it's not absolutely fair, because all the companies have to have it, but there's, there's wisdom in fine print and reflecting on it. So after a whole set of 
this is why it'll be so rosy. There's a bit that says, forward-looking statements, opinions and estimates included in this announcement are based on assumptions and contingencies which are subject to change without notice, as are statements about market and industry trends, which are based on interpretations of current market conditions. Forward-looking statements are provided as a general guide only and should not be relied on as a guarantee of future performance. There can be no assurance that forward-looking statements will prove to be correct. And I think of that, and I think of the wise words of Yvonne Margarula, senior traditional owner of the Mirar people of that part of Kakadu that stopped Jabaluka, experienced ranger, and are now working to try and get that massive legacy addressed. The Aboriginal people in this country with the longest lived experience of this sector and this industry. Dimmy's mandated disclosure comment. There can be no assurance that forward-looking statements will prove to be correct. Yvonne Margarula's comment to a House of Representatives inquiry into impacts of uranium mining. None of the promises last, but the problems always do. And that's why we do what we do, and that's why we'll do it to the best of our abilities. This land is me Rock, water, animal, dream They are my song My beings here Where I belong You were just listening to Dave Sweeney who was speaking about the proposed uranium mine at Mulga Rock in WA and why this mine will be actively contested at all levels and why people in the West will be expecting and demanding the highest level of regulations and attention. We'll now go to the interviews recorded on the morning of the Supreme Court hearing to stop Yuliri uranium mine. Dual native title holder woman Vicky Abdullah, who along with her aunties, Shirley and Lizzie Wanyabung, have stood strong and proud of their land to protect it. And they're taking on the Western Australian state and the Canadian uranium company Cameco to the Supreme Court in a landmark hearing. A massive thanks to Perth Community Radio RTRFM presenter Adrian Glamorgan for the following recordings. Yuliri is, a, is in very important to my family. Um, yeah, we fought over 40 years to protect our country and won't stop now. Um, I grew up around Yuliri, Alvin Downs, Yakabindi area, but Yuliri is one big strong place that I will um, cover and, you know, um, to not let uranium. Um, we don't want it. We're going to leave it in the ground. Um, yeah, because um, we've got a lot of grandchildren. Keep it um, so we can learn our children, our, our next generation, to carry on on our um, traditional land. Um, so, yeah, so um, being on there, it's, if it's going to get taken away from us, it will kill us. You know, where we where we got to go? I mean, I like being at their camping, walking, and go out hunting, we used to do, but we got a big fight on our hands. Um, but we will stop it. Um, 
So here today with my two aunties, he's somewhere around the corner, but <laughs> um, for this hearing, I can acknowledge this land is so precious to us. Um, so stop Gillery Uranium Project going ahead. Thank you. Vic, Vicky, can I ask you a question? <laughs> when, when you walk country, what do you see when you walk across Yuliri? Yuliri, um, when I go there, you know, we walk across there, just feel at peace, you know, like everything's going out of us, you know. And you can feel our ancestors and getting their guidance from them, you know. And there's one thing, I've been doing this walk for six, six years, seven years now, and... You know, it's good to um, take our grandchildren, children out to learn our culture, our heritage and our um, knowledge, what we learn them. If, if you could speak to the judge today, what would you want to say to them from your heart? From my heart, just keep it in the ground. So Piers Verstegen from Conservation Council of Western Australia. We're here today at the Supreme Court where hearings are about to commence uh, for the legal proceeding that's been brought by the Conservation Council and traditional owners against the Yaliri uranium mine approval. Now, going back, it was the Conservation Council and communities that fought for the environmental protection laws that we have in this state. They fought hard for the Environmental Protection Act to protect the environment uh, and to reduce uh, pollution and to prevent pollution. Those laws were never intended to allow extinction of species, but that's exactly how they've been used uh, in the approval of this uranium mine project. Uh, this was one of the worst decisions made under the Barnett government. It was made at the time when bulldozers were in the Belair wetlands, destroying cultural heritage there, and it was made against the advice of the Environmental Protection Authority and against the independent appeals uh, recommendation on this project. Uh, this Yaliri uranium project uh, would involve a nine kilometre long open uh, strip mine. Uh, it would involve nearly two and a half thousand hectares of clearing of native vegetation. Uh, and it would involve and create 36 million tonnes of radioactive mine waste, which would remain an environmental problem uh, for thousands of years. Uh, we also know, and the EPA recommended against this mine, because it will cause the extinction of up to 11 species of subterranean fauna. <coughs> now, the minister approved this mine after that recommendation by the EPA and against that recommendation by the EPA, and that is what's up for trial today in the court. Uh, the environmental protection laws were never meant to allow and sanction the extinction of species, and this is a really important principle for environmental law in Western Australia that the Conservation Council and traditional owners are standing together to defend. Uh, we should not allow the extinction of species anywhere uh, under the Environmental Protection Act. Doing so sets an incredibly dangerous precedent for any wildlife across the state. Uh, and that's why we're challenging uh, this environmental approval in the Supreme Court today. Doesn't the stargate fauna exist anywhere else? The particular species of Steiger fauna uh, that will be uh, made extinct by this uranium mine doesn't exist anywhere else, hasn't been found anywhere else, uh, and the proponent hasn't provided information uh, to satisfy the EPA uh, or the federal uh, environmental agency that this Steiger fauna exists anywhere else. So the information that the minister had at the time was that this mine would cause the extinction of species, and yet he went ahead and approved the mine in one of the worst environmental decisions under the, under the Barnett government. That's why it's so important that we challenge it today. The Labor government is saying that this is a kind of final approval. Bill Johnson has suggested this, but how many other approvals 
are required for this uranium mine? Well, this is one of four uranium mines that the Labor government have said can proceed through the approval system, but there's still major hurdles ahead of all of these mining projects. This one is subject to a legal challenge, uh, but also has a range of other approvals that need to be sought. And and that is actually one of the grounds of the legal challenge today. The uh, approval that was given by the Environment Minister uh, didn't examine a whole range of really serious environmental issues, simply said that they would be the subject of further uh, assessment processes. We don't think that's acceptable and we think that there were errors at law that were made in the making of that decision and that will be uh, uh, put to the court today. So essentially the Environment Minister shouldn't have ignored the EPA's recommendation? The Environment Minister, we believe, made a series of errors at law and those uh, will be put to the court today uh, to test the strength of our Environmental Protection Act. One of those errors was that he went against the advice of the Environmental Protection Authority but also against his own appeal determination which upheld that initial advice that said the mine shouldn't be allowed to proceed. The proponent uh, appealed the EPA's original uh, determination, which was that the mine shouldn't be allowed to proceed, uh, and the Minister initially upheld uh, that EPA advice and said the EPA advice was correct and the mine is environmentally unacceptable. He then went on to make a decision to allow the mine, which went against that appeals determination. So that's one of the legal grounds that will be uh, heard in the court today. David? Um, uh, Piers, the EPA decision was pretty narrow in terms of what it was saving. Do you think they ignored issues around waste on site or, or do you feel that they covered, uh, apart, from, apart from the fauna, everything was pretty good in the EPA report? Well, there was a range of environmental impacts with this mine that weren't actually properly examined as part of the original environmental impact assessment process by the EPA. And one of the arguments that will be made in the court today is that the conditions that were put on this project, which simply uh, allow the proponent to then go and do further studies uh, and, 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 and uh, require further approvals, uh, create a whole lot of uncertainty. It's uncertain what the environmental impact is actually allowed with this project. Uh, because of the way that this decision was made. So no, we don't believe that proper and adequate attention was given to a whole range of environmental issues and we believe the conditions on this project reflect that and that's one of the things that will be argued today in the court. Are you finding it easy to run court cases given the cutbacks that have been on, on groups like the Environmental Defender's Office? Well, one of the problems we have in Western Australia is that we don't have a merits-based court system where we can actually uh, talk about the environmental merits of these projects. Uh, we have to actually uh, go through legal arguments and, and construct uh, a, um, um, an argument that the Minister made legal errors in the process of decision-making uh, because we don't have an environmental <laughs> merits court here. Uh, in this case, we believe that there are and there were serious legal errors in the, in, in the Minister's decision-making process. We believe it reflects a rushed approach by the Barnett government to get these environmental approvals done before uh, the election. Uh, and indeed, this decision was made just, just weeks before the election uh, while the bulldozers were in the Belair wetlands. Uh, so we believe this decision was rushed and in the process, legal errors were made. Uh, and that's one of the arguments that will be made to the court. Vicky, can I ask you one more question, which is... Um, um What's it like to be off-country here down in Perth, coming to court? How are you feeling? Uh, look, every time I come down to Perth, you know, it's you like in the fast lane, you know, and you've got to zoom around, but back home on country, you can just take it easy and relax. Thank you. Thanks so much.
You've been listening to the director of CCWA, Piers Verstegen, and dual native title holder Vicky Abdullah from the Supreme Court case last Thursday. The decision to approve the Yaliri mining proposal was one of the worst environmental decisions made by the Barnett government, taken just weeks before the state election. The decision went against the advice of the EPA and the Minister's own appeal determination, and this is what was strongly argued in the Supreme Court and pretty much what the, the whole court proceedings was about. Unfortunately, we don't have an environmental court in Western Australia where we can argue the merits of this decision. But CCWA and the dual native title holder women have argued in the Supreme Court that the Minister made administrative errors in his approval decision. A huge thanks should also go to the amazing work of Mia Pepper getting getting this information and this support to this point after a hard eight years under the Barnett government. We won't know the outcome of this case for a while, but there is a lot riding on the decision so far for the sake of communities and wildlife across the state. We are certainly hoping it will be a positive outcome. If you'd like to donate to the crowdfunding effort to support this case, support this case please donate to uh, thechuff.org forward slash project forward slash Yaliri dash court dash case. Great. And that's it for this week's Rad Show. You've been listening to the updates from the West and the Yaliri Court case. Thanks so much to all the people that have contributed to this show about the Yaliri Supreme Court action and Mulga Rock, or the proposed Mulga Rock uh, uranium mine. And to Vicky, Pierce, and Dave, a very warm thank you and a massive thanks to Perth Community Radio RTR understory presenter Adrian Glay Morgan, who kindly gave permission to use his recordings. Thanks for listening, and here's to a nuclear free future. This land is me, rock, water, animal, tree.